Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. You can engage the Spirit of God at any moment. God is never going to withdraw Himself from you. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to not be there for you. But the way that you think is what determines whether or not you're going to be open to letting Him help you. And you think two different ways. You actually, we think with our minds and we think with our hearts. And that's what this series is going to be about. We're going to talk about mind and heart and thoughts. There are hundreds and hundreds of scriptures in the Bible regarding thoughts, thinking, feelings with the heart, in the mind. And then I love all the neuroscience information, all the information about changing your brain activities. Like I even started brushing brushing my teeth with my left hand because it develops new neuropathways, which causes you to... Anybody, you know, I love, I love, I geek out on all that stuff. It's so interesting to me. It's for real. And, it, and because we get stuck, we get stuck. We see the same things. We think the same things. In fact, about 95% of what we think and how we respond to things is actually hardwired now into our physiology, into our bodies, into our brains so that you just react without even thinking. It gets into your subconscious. You, your brain chemistry gets wired to run the same patterns and respond the same way, have the same kind of memories, have the same type of responses, and you never grow and change. That's why it's so important to learn to think with your heart because your heart is deeper. It's non-physical, and, and, and it can affect the rest of your phys- physiology. You can, be, you can grasp and have a revelation in your heart in a moment, and then it produces what we would call a miracle in the rest of your body, but it's just that your body is designed to realign itself to manifest what you believe. And when you believe the truth in your heart, it makes everything better. It just makes everything better. So part of this series, we're going to talk about intentionalizing what you believe from the heart because it affects everything. Absolutely everything. As here, Proverbs 23, the first part of verse 7, as, a, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, so goes your life. Your thoughts might be killing you. The patterns that you allow yourself to run in your mind might be robbing you of allowing yourself to step into that next opportunity of success. The way that you think might be limiting how you see finances and money, which will constrict what you allow God to do in your life. If you have a God's in control mindset, then you just check out and you know watch the birds and blame it all on God. <laughs> but if you believe the truth, <laughs> we have a responsibility to change, change the way that we think, change what we believe, get more and more and more and more and more and more aligned in alignment with who we are now in our spirit. Because God is making God in our in your spirit, the eternal aspect of you. If your old ticker stopped and you your body 
gave up the ghost and you popped out of your body, that part of you is perfect and eternal and it's in you now. And that's what I want to preach to. I want to preach to that eternal spirit on the inside of you so that you start to think of yourself from that aspect of your being and then you live out of the power of the spirit in you that is joined to God and it changes and affects the rest of your being. Living from the inside out. Too much of Christianity is performance focused. Get this cleaned up. Stop doing this. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's why when Jesus preached, he said, you know, you've said you commit adultery, you're guilty of hellfire. You've heard it said, but he he says, I say, even if you've looked with lust, it's sin. Why? Because he brings obedience to the level of the heart. Now, thankfully, he went on ahead to that cross and died for us and passed into the grave and conquered all of that to bore the penalty for our sin. So God is not judging you for your lustful thoughts, but they're still producing death in your body. They're still destroying your marriage, limiting how you think. Man, I want to break all that stuff. I want, I want us to change the way that we think, which is actually the definition of repentance. Repentance is not when you convince God how sorry you are for your sin, and then He forgives you. Repentance recognizes that you are already forgiven in Christ, that you're complete in Him, and repentance humbles itself to not identify by the created or the, or the temporary world. True, repent, true repentance is putting off the way of thinking that's temporary and putting on the way of thinking that's eternal and then living from that. That's true humility. So that's why we see with, with people that are identifying themselves and kind of forcing everybody else around them to identify, to respond to their self-identification, whether it be in their sexuality, gender, all of that stuff that's going on. You know, th there's a deeper issue. We need to not look at those people from the perspective of the intellect, but the heart and even the spirit. It's not, it's not a, it's not a intellectual issue. It's not even really a right and wrong moral issue. At the surface level, it is. There's obviously right and wrong. And we all know that. We're not bending that or anything. But the issue is not arguing about identity at the surface physical level. The issue is getting that person to recognize their value beyond their sexuality, beyond their gender, beyond their race. There's more value on the inside of that person than, than they're getting out of how they're identifying. So let's not make enemies out of a temporary thought process that you might that, that might be really difficult for you. I get that. I understand that. But there's a deeper issue going on. Amen? Let, let's, let's not regard, what is it? We no longer regard each other according to the flesh. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do that. Amen? So the way that we think, the way we think about others, the way we're encouraging other people to think, we just want to talk about this thought life. So to discuss all of that, to kick off the thought life series, I want to talk about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And I know you're wondering, wait a minute, how does that match? But we'll get there. So these are the couple of passages that we're starting with. As a man, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And then also to Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to the world or the patterns of this world or whatever, but be transformed, say transformed, by the renewing of your mind. That's how you experience transformation. Anybody want to grow in any area? You want to 
grow in any specific area at all. It starts with mind renewal, changing the way that you think, otherwise known as repentance. Now, if that means you've got to turn away from sin in the process, then do it. Just commit to it. Figure out how to lean into grace for strength and power over the lure of sin. And then fill your mind with what God says about that thing. Plant it in your heart and the Word will change you. We did this exercise in Equip this past week. And we just, we just walked through a topical reading of, their, of the people in attendance choosing. Everybody chose their own topic. We went to openbible.info typed in a subject, and then everybody just kind of, we meditated for a while, read the passages in there, filled our minds with what God says about that particular topic. And then it was cool because out of that, the, the written word then becomes alive in your heart and your mind, and you get insights and bursts. If you need to change, the power is in the word. Not just the written word, but the living word. When you approach the Bible, don't just read it for information or doctrine. Read it expecting for it to be alive in you and actually sustain you in a way that's deeper than just the information. Amen? It's alive. It, it, it's just alive. And, it, and you know, it, it's nobody can explain it because it's a spiritual thing, but it makes a difference. Get it in there. Plant. And it's not the time in the saddle as much as it is your, the receptivity of your heart. Yeah, the one that jumps out, just sit there, chew on it. Rearrange the wording so that it's personal. Put it in the first person. Think about it. Think about your life circumstances and how that particular passage applies to that. And then expect actually for it to bear fruit in your life. We'll do some of those exercises together throughout this series. But So I just, I just want to talk about a few things about the heart in terms of the heart. So, Because as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And I want to use Pharaoh as an illustration. If you're unfamiliar with that, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. But we think with our minds and our hearts. The mind reflects what it feels. The heart thinks, or sorry, the mind thinks what it feels. The heart thinks what it believes. And it will break all this down more and more throughout this whole series. But in general, your mind is dealing with your emotions, your soulish, the input from the world, also the input from that deeper spiritual, but the heart is deeper. The heart is what's considered the inner man. The heart is what God makes new. The prophecies about what would happen in the new covenant and the fact what actually defines us as new creations is God removes that body of flesh. This is in Colossians 2. He removes that body of sin out. You could call it sin nature. He takes that out and he puts a new heart on the inside. He puts a new inner man on the inside of that. I've got a ton of teaching on that if that's foreign to you. But what God does is He takes your core out and He puts a new core in that's like, it's, it's the heart that David prayed for. And it's the heart that God recognized was a potential in David, a man after my own. It's a heart that has encoded within it the natural spiritual capacity to obey and follow God. Not to become righteous, but because you are righteous. It's no longer a wicked heart and deceitful. It's a pure, clean, and righteous heart. Now, you can lend that heart to the world, and it can be confused, and your heart can become overburdened and charged and even perverted 
But, but the nature of what you are after the spiritual circumcision that God performs on you is no longer sinner, but righteous. You become a different kind of creature. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, no longer dead in sin, but now alive in Christ. We, I will always affirm that. I will always remind you of that. Because if you actually believe that about yourself, it'll, it'll start to affect how you make decisions. It, it, it just will. If you believe that you're righteous and God has already made you holy, then when it comes time to be angry without cause or uh, do something even more dark and sinister, you've got this internal guidance system now, the Spirit of God on the inside of you, drawing you, convicting you, not condemning you, but convicting, which is a different thing. It's like, mm, no, that's not, we don't do that. We don't do that. We're righteous. You're a, you're a child of God. That's not who you are. That's a, no, 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 no. That's going to destroy you. Whereas it used to be external laws written in stone that you had to go, your propensity was towards sin. Now it's not. You might feel like it is because you really enjoy that sin. But it's not. But the way that you think will host the opportunity to be conformed into the image of Christ or continue to look like the dead man. you got a choice in the way that you think. And there's so much guidance in there on how to think and what to think about. We're going to talk about all that stuff in this whole series. You have the capacity and responsibility to choose both in terms of thinking with your heart, thinking with your mind in the way that you should think. So the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. This is interesting. This I'm going to slay a sacred cow and give you a little kind of psychological insight in terms of how human beings work. By sacred cow, I mean, uh, let me just read this here. This is Exodus 4, 21. This is the first time it's mentioned. This is burning bush. You know, if you're unfamiliar with it, this guy named Moses existed, and God asked him to go to the Israelites, or go to Egypt to bring the Israelites out. And the whole ten plague thing, this is, this is before that. This is right at the burning bush moment where God's picking his man to go set his people free. And this is what God says. He says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all, these, all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now, depending on how you were raised, that having a more Calvinistic or denominational kind of bent, um, then you look at Romans 9, it looks at face value like God created Pharaoh to destroy him. That God created Pharaoh to be his enemy so that he could carry out this divine play. But there's a nuance, and it's different than what we might think. This is, it's interesting, and, and the key is, well, first off, man, one of the things that just this church exists to do is change the way that you see God. I want to change the way that you see God. And what I mean by that is I want you, every thought that you have about God is filtered through who Jesus revealed Him to be. Jesus is the exact representation of the invisible God. I'm not saying we throw out the Old Testament. I'm not saying we throw out the Old Covenant. We recognize it for what it is. It was there in place to point us to Jesus, to reveal that we needed 
a spiritual righteousness that only comes through faith in Christ. Eternal redemption is only by faith, by grace through faith in Him, right? So it was a schoolmaster until the real thing come, came, which is righteousness by faith, apart from the works of the law. Now, the fact that you know and have been taught that God is not going to judge you for your sin, does that make you want to go out and sin? Hans? No. No. That's the right answer. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. Anyway, harden. What's the word? Interesting here. The word harden is the Hebrew word chazak. Everybody say that together. Chazak. Yeah, you got it. It's so interesting. Check out the definition. So, all right, this is, this is what we're talking here. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is the definition. And in fact, it's actually interpreted this way in a lot of other passages. Go look it up. Uh, to strengthen. Now, let the Holy Spirit teach for a minute because there's insight here. God says, I will, I will harden his heart. But the word means strengthen, prevail, harden, become strong, be courageous, be firm, be resolute, be sore, to hold to repair. Interesting, right? So how do you understand that? How do you understand how to apply the full meaning of this word in what it looks like God created Pharaoh to be an enemy so he could show his might and power? Let me ask you this question. So how should we understand this dynamic? Let me ask you another question here. Have you ever tried to love someone who was wounded? What happened? It's thrusting a sword is what that is. <laughs> Think about it. Have you ever tried, and if you're wounded, what happens when people try to love you? You can't handle it. You're protected. You're guarded. You're a fortified heart. Your heart is hard. It can't receive it. In fact, oftentimes, when genuine love comes, it feels like that old perverted love that caused the hardened heart to begin with. Sometimes it's even ego and pride that gets the heart to the hardened state. And there's no humility, which is probably more of, more of the case with uh, Pharaoh. But think about this. Think about people that you know, maybe even yourself. Maybe you've got legit trauma that you've walked through. Do you let people love you? Even if healthy, productive, healing, well-boundaried love steps into your life, can you receive it? But if you can, great healing takes place. You know, this phrase here is used a lot to understand this dynamic of the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The same sun that melts wax hardens clay. Think about that. Bright, sunshiny day, you take wax out, it just melts. But here in Georgia, we've got this red clay in the dirt. What happens? Hard as a rock. That's the heart. How the heart 
responds to the healing embrace of God will determine whether or not you'll let Him heal you or you'll push Him away. To me, this is the best way to understand Pharaoh. Did Pharaoh have a choice? That's a theological line right there. You find out if you grew up Baptist or not. No, Pharaoh didn't have it. No, what are you talking about? What? I never thought about that. That's wrong. That's blasphemous. Well, think about it. Think about it. Consider the definition of it. And then go read Romans 9 again, and it's, it's a totally different thing. I'll just give you a little bit of insight on Romans 9. What God's doing is he's, he's... Okay. In Ezekiel 14, uh, when, when, it's, when all of the plagues begin... And then God responds back and says, I, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's a different word for harden, and it means harden traditionally like we would think. It means hard. But you have to understand that that word is used to define the response and the effect from within Pharaoh, not God's intention. In other words, God's intention is to hold and repair what if Pharaoh would have said, oh my goodness, you are the one true God? That could have happened. The Israelites still had Canaan land waiting for them, but maybe Pharaoh wouldn't have had to lose his entire army and the nation of Egypt would have then been the result of what God said to Abraham, and that is, I will make you a nation of kings and priests on this planet and you'll disciple nations. Just the what if. I know that's a big one. People, that's a big one to change your mind about, but let's keep going here. So, the thought patterns you allow yourself to run are a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let me just say, what was I going to say about, oh, Ezekiel 14, just so you know, because if you go look up that word for harden there, it does mean harden like actual hard, but that's more about God saying, uh, I will harden his heart. That's the, he's declaring the effect based on the response of Pharaoh. Oh, and then Romans 9, because that's a big one that gets used for the God's in control Calvinistic perspective. What God is saying, he's using Pharaoh as an illustration, and he's, but he's making the point that God is saying, I can do whatever I want to do, and what I want to do is save Gentiles. If you go look at it, that's what he's talking about. The elect, the people that he's going after, that's a whole different teaching. I've got a, a, a course that I've recorded on Ephesians and Colossians that I'm working on getting the quizzes posted, but as soon as that's up, you'll be able to go through that, and I talk a lot about predestination and those issues in there. Can I read something to you? Let me just read this because I got inspired and I wrote it down, and I don't know that I could say it as well as I wrote it here. So let me just read this to you. And then we'll then then we'll wrap up. All right. So the Hebrew word for harden is also translated as strengthen. So I just see God's attempting to be part of Pharaoh's life, but his response is no. So God tried to supply. Think think about it also too. When you think about God strengthening you, strengthen your inner man. What does that make you think of? Makes you think that those kids are loud in that room. <laughs> but think about it. 
Being strengthened in your inner man from a new covenant perspective, what does that make you think of? Five-letter word, starts with G, grace. Good job. That's what grace is. Grace is strength in your heart, strength in the inner man. That's what I think God was... I'm not, I'm not belabor that point. Let's keep going. So I would say God tried to supply grace to Pharaoh, but because he had a tyrannical, wounded, carnal heart or prideful, he rejected it and turned against God's will. Have you ever tried to love a person with a wounded or broken heart? They can't receive it because they either don't feel worthy of it or because they are protecting themselves so fiercely that they reject love because of their past for whatever reason, whether victimized or they engaged in perverted experiences in the past with unhealthy love, all love becomes potentially hurtful. Most efforts to love this person are rejected because this, and I'm not, we're like kind of forget Pharaoh now, we're transitioning now into you. Say me, we're talking about me here. Hopefully I'm not talking about you, but if I am, let it be healing. Most efforts to love this person are rejected because this person has an unhealthy perspective of love and builds a fortress around the heart. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you have a broken, wounded heart, how is it going to think? And what kind of relationships are you going to find yourself in? What types of opportunities are you going to allow yourself to step into? How is it going to interpret the voice of God and obey Talking about healing, talking about uh, talking about healing a wounded heart, because what God is trying to do is hold your heart. He's trying to chazak your heart, repair, hold. But you could be hardening. Most efforts to love this person are rejected because this person has an unhealthy perspective of love and builds a fortress around the heart. So the state of your heart, and this is Mark four, Matthew thirteen. It's the parable that Jesus teaches. It's really the parable about the receptivity of the heart to the kingdom, but it's about the Word being sown in the heart. The condition of the heart or the receptivity of the heart to the Word will determine the degree of the kingdom that you will experience in this life. And that, that um, series that we're recommending for this month for the uh, equip step or the journey step, which is our discipleship path, Go check it out. You can skip through and listen to the, the messages that you feel like might apply. But I recommend going and listen to a couple of those because I really lay out the dynamics of the heart. So uh, the state of your heart determines what you will allow God to do for you. God's extending salvation and healing and deliverance to everyone, but His method is Christ. If people harden their hearts to Christ, they're rejecting God's strengthening which can lead to salvation, and are choosing either self-effort or destruction. The heart has to be willing to be healed, which means it must be willing to forgive and stop allowing the trauma to define the identity. The wounded still wants to punish the person who hurt them, so it ends up being rolled over onto whoever is trying to love them. Or there's no self-love because of a perverted life that they've lived. Each are equally damaging. A couple more sentences. If you've been hurt and it's difficult to allow people to love you, you're hard in your heart to God's forgiveness for you and forgiveness for others. And we're going to talk about that. Maybe even Bethany will go into that. Because you despise the shame and you're angry with yourself, 
that you're still allowing it to hurt you, you push others away. Forgiveness and reconciliation break shame and the fortified, broken heart boundaries and walls. The hard shell cracks and begins to fall away and leave a tender heart that can finally heal and grow. All has to do with the way that you think, the repentant lifestyle, the kinds of thought patterns that you run when a particular subject comes up. Is it automatic to protect yourself? Even with memory, you don't even remember. Like when, you're, when you run the patterns of memory, the neurochemistry kicks in and you start recalling information. You might have the visuals, but you don't really remember it for the truth that it was. You remember it the way you felt about it the last time you remembered it. And so if you justify being hurt, each time you feel it, you're strengthening the fortification of your justification to stay hurt and angry and bitter and closed off to the healing power of God, all based on the way that you think. And it hurts, and it's kind of difficult to get over those humps. This is why I love such a loving community like this. But the hard shell cracks and begins to fall away and leave a tender heart that can finally heal and grow. And I saw this image. You've packed the wound with wartime field dressings, and it's time to remove those field dressings so the actual healing can take place. The way that you think and the paths you walk down in your thoughts will lead you to more hardening or healing. Which one do you want? You want to be harder or do you want to heal? And if you're healthy, then we want to help others heal. Amen? When God holds your heart, will, will it heal or harden? What you allow yourself to think is softening or hardening, apparently, your heart. <laughs> this is such a serious moment. It was a typo. I put an I in your, so if you didn't see that. Here's your homework. Intentionally think what the following passages suggest, especially when you're struggling or becoming aware that your heart is hard. You're just always auditing. Like, pay attention to what you're thinking about and recognize, no matter how far you run down that path, whether you run down the path to the point that you're, you're fired up and you're ready to go find your dad and punch him in the face, or that neighbor, or you let this thought pattern runs and you're planning your funeral. You're wondering what your kids are going to think when you're gone. You know what I mean? Like, where are your thoughts going? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So these passages here, I'm going to read through them quickly, but this is your homework. Actually do this. Say, I will do this. All right, this is what you're going to do. And we have this passage up over the door because it's just so meaningful. I've got three passages and then we're done. So Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts, and different translations say different things, but or affections, or the inner, the inner beliefs. You know, believing is a capacity of the heart. It's what the heart man believes unto righteousness. Be you don't believe with your mind. You don't believe with your brain. You believe with your heart. Your beliefs are in your heart. We're going to talk about all this stuff more and more and more. But <clears throat> So set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Boom, just, just do that, like right now. 
Set your heart on things above. And we're not talking necessarily location like he's out there. More so in terms of I'm recognizing that Christ is Lord. I'm recognizing that Christ is preeminent and king over whatever this thing is that I'm facing. This thing is in my face and it's eating my lunch right now. But I'm going to set my heart, my affections. I'm going to lift up my, lift up your heads, O ye gates. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul. These, these emotive ideas, these meditative, get a hold of yourself inwardly. And, and, and it's almost like you're just, you're wrenching this stuff to an upward focus out of the depths of the hurt and the pain and the depression and the disappointment. You're just, you're lifting yourself up above that. And that, that you, you have control over that. Uh, set your heart or affection on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God in a place of authority, recognizing you're seated with, <clears throat> with Him. Set your mind or thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. My goodness. Just do that. Really. Whatever you're struggling with, do that. Set your mind on things above. Meaning, what does the Word of God say about it? Think about it that way. I hope you do this, especially in the areas that you're struggling. Go into the Word, find out what the Word says about it, think those thoughts, wrestle with it internally so that you stop thinking about it the way that you've been thinking about it that produces death and destruction and anxiety. Think about it until you have hope and, God, and you recognize that, you have, that God's Word can actually do something in you. It's alive. For you died. Say, I'm dead. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Two more. Ephesians 22, 23. Put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. 24. And to put on the new self in the mind and in the heart, because it's already true of you in your spirit, coming into agreement with the work that God's done, created to be like God. Now, you're not going to be a God, but you're being conformed into the image of Christ. That's what it's talking about. Uh, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Last passage. Will you do it? Shia LaBeouf. Do it! Okay, let's keep going. I, we need to, I just need to have that ready. Anyway, I'm, you know what I'm gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna green screen this stage in. We're just gonna play that. If you've never seen that, it's hilarious. But Philippians four eight. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever now, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there's anything, if there's any excellence, if there's anything, it's kind of like look. It's, it's if there's anything. I mean, just something is what I kind of feel like is what he's getting to at this point, right? It's like, I mean, just something. Think about those things. Quit thinking about the state of the world, the politics, the sexual perversion, the this, the that, the your past, your brokenness, your whatever. I mean, really? I'm not saying ignore it. Don't stick your head in the sand. Deal with your stuff. But think about those things from this perspective. Amen? Amen? It'll change your life. It will change your life. And the people around you will be greatly thankful because you're killing them. 
with the way that you think and then what comes out of your mouth. You know I'm telling you the truth. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. I'm going to put the homework back. Everybody read that. You intent, those three passages that we just read, Colossians 3, we're going to post it all out. Go refresh your memory and choose how you think. Pay attention to how you're thinking and actually, actually change the way that you think. Trans, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Now just, just stop for just a minute. Just recognize Him. Jesus, we, we, we praise You. The whole reason we gather is to lift You up, to honor You, to be shaped and transformed by You. We thank You that Your Spirit is alive and active on the inside of us. And we are Your disciples. We are tasked with the responsibility of living in a way that brings glory and honor to Your name. And we know that living a repentant lifestyle, changing the way that we think about our lives and the world around us to be more in alignment with your wisdom, your reality, your truth, with what you're guiding us into. Because most of us in this room have been believers for a long time. We really don't even need to learn anything else, but we just need to get more in alignment with what you're trying to do through our lives so that we can touch our community. We can be a blessing to our neighbors. We can show our families what it looks like to trust the Word and experience transformation. We can show the, the dark world out there that doesn't know you, that even hates you, what brotherly love looks like within the church because we change how we think about each other. And, and, and then the, what Jesus said, that, that we will be known by our love for one another not by what we disagree with, but because we have, we've allowed the heart healing to take place where we recognize that we are your family, united in you, tasked with going into the world, maybe being hated by God, maybe suffering the persecution of our faith, but being joyful because we've changed our minds. We've repented in our hearts. We know how to set our minds on you, and we're committed. So now just ask Him to help you. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I soften my heart. Even just for just a moment, just, just relax inside your chest. Take a deep breath. Physical relaxation is incredibly powerful. Just tell Him you trust Him. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. I'll plant your word in my heart and my mind. Holy Spirit, I think that you're moving amongst the people today. You're giving them insight. You're strengthening them. Some people might be flinching and kind of shying away because it means dealing with that thing that they've stuffed down inwardly. I think, I think right now, even in this moment, Father, you're helping them soften their heart to you so that healing can take place and they can be free. True deliverance from that past in a split second. Father, we thank you. I thank you those that are watching and listening, Lord, that they're feeling your touch. Thank you for your presence that's alive inside of us. Amen, amen, amen.